Well, good morning. You guys can take a seat. Welcome, welcome, welcome to North Point Church. Hey, if you are sitting outside, you're crazy, but, uh, but we welcome you. And uh, hey, welcome to Kerman and all of our folks online. Uh, we love you. We're glad uh, that you are here with us today. And to those of you in person, you're looking good this morning. <laughs> no, I was kidding. So anyway, I was just kidding. No. Hey, uh, I'm excited. My name's Kevin. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at North Point. Thanks, guys. And uh, I'd love to introduce you to my son, Josh. We, uh, well, you know, we grew up in the same home, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, we, we uh, Josh grew up here at North Point, but uh, Josh is a pastor at New Covenant Church across town. And uh, yeah, it's a, that's a great thing. And um, uh, he's the junior high and high school pastor over there. So uh, some cool some cool stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, we want to say welcome uh, to all the fathers today. If you're a father, uh, God bless you guys, man. And uh, so today, just in case you don't know, dads, uh, it is critical that you fill out your connection card today. Uh, it cannot be in your, in your wife's handwriting. That does not count, okay? Uh, you have to fill it out, and, uh, and after service, if you haven't done it, out in the middle of the patio, there's a couple big boxes, and there's a, there's a white, uh, what do you call that, bucket. bucket. There's a white bucket on top. Drop your connection card in there, and uh, 10 minutes after the service, we'll, we'll pull a card. You gotta be present to win, so don't bail. And uh, you can go home with a Traeger today. Uh, yeah, it's super cool. And if you don't uh, go home with a Traeger, that's all right, because we are cooking up all kinds of meat on Traegers out there this morning, all right? And so uh, we've got some uh, teriyaki chicken. We've got some, uh, some spicy uh, boneless pork ribs for you guys. So that's just, for, that's just to say we love you, all right? So grab it, go. And uh, wives, if, uh, if, if you want, get them like two or three skewers of that and you won't even have to pay for a meal today, all right? Uh, anyway, so that is all happening. So men, fill out your connection card. I know this might be a first for you, okay? But fill it out, drop it in the bucket, and uh, that's awesome. Online, they've got some stuff for you guys too, so they'll explain all that, all right? Uh, I think I said everything. Uh, yeah, I do need to point this out, I forgot, you know? We'll get to this message in a minute, all yeah, right? Yeah. At some point. Uh, just sit down there and be quiet for a minute, all right? Uh, so, you know. <clears throat> How many times have you said that to your child before? You know, just be quiet for a couple minutes. Um, one more thing, northpoint.org slash now is a new uh, link, all right? You gotta remember this. If you ever need to know what's happening this week, starting Sunday and every week to come, just northpoint.org slash now and everything pertinent to this week is right there. We want that to kind of be a new hub all right, uh, kind of a landing spot for you. So when it's like, I heard them say something, boom, uh, that's what you wanna do, all right? Make that happen, all right. So anyway, so son, we're, uh, we're teaching together today. We've never done this before. Never done this. Never done this, and uh, never in a million years did I or probably you think that we would be doing this. Yeah. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your, your start in ministry and all. Uh, yeah, so I realized I don't, there's probably a lot of you guys that I don't know. I grew up here, I got into a lot of trouble here, and then three years ago, yeah, I did. Um, 
it's like kind of the pastor's kid thing. And, um, but three years ago, I ended up getting hired over at New Covenant Church um, across town on Cedar and Knees. And so for the last three years, I've been over there pastoring junior high and high school students, and it's been a huge blessing. But uh, the call to pastoral ministry was not necessarily one that I wanted. Um, for, for an array of reasons, uh, I just grew up watching my dad be a pastor, and I thought it was the coolest thing. It was never something that I was embarrassed of. It was never something that I didn't want people to know or anything like that. But just for, for different reasons, I had decided for myself that, that ministry was not what I wanted to do. Actually, I wanted to be a firefighter, and uh, that was what I really had my heart set on going into my senior year of high school. And through um, just, just a, a handful of things, the Lord made it clear to me that that wasn't what he had called me to in this life. And um, going down the path of I still didn't wanna do ministry, I started looking into ag and went on a few ride-alongs and some stuff like that in the ag world. And again, God made it very clear to me that, um, that that wasn't what he created me for. And so I was just having this wrestling match my senior year of high school. Like, what am I gonna do? Uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. But in the back of my mind, I always had this thought, like, man, what if... What if God's calling me to ministry? And it was a thought that I fought for a long time and I remember processing a lot with my dad, with some of my mentors and just ended up praying and I made a deal with God. You, know, you guys ever made a deal with God? Yeah, so I was dumb and, and thought this and so I told God, I was like, you know what, I'll fill out one college application and I chose Fresno Pacific, okay? I don't think it's the hardest school in the world to get into and, and so I was like, you know what, if I get in there, then I'll go to ministry. Well, I sent in my one application. I had no backup plan. I got in and I was like, well, I guess that's it. That was uh, it. I'm gonna. That was it. You should have fleeced him again, man. Yeah, right. You know? I know. So, you know, my call to ministry was not a big, profound, God speaking in the wilderness kind of moment. It was just a, um, a, a small call that I felt in my heart and, and a dumb deal that I made with the Lord. Um, you know, and, and I think that a lot of people assume when they find out that I'm a pastor and they know my dad that it's kind of like a, like a, family business kind of thing, you know, following in my dad's footsteps, it's just what you do, and, and in fact, that wasn't it at all. Um, you know, I love my dad, I look up to my dad, and I wanna be like my dad in some ways. Um, and, uh, yeah, see that? Anyways. Um, hey, bro, we only have 35 minutes. Uh, right, I'm gonna right. get on with it. Um, but I did, I, you know, I look up to my dad, but, uh, but looking up to my dad was never enough to make me wanna be a pastor. And so the reason that, that I am here today uh, is simply because this is what I believe God created me to do. Um, and that was enough um, for me to step into this life. And I tell you that because it kind of segues us into what we're gonna be talking about this morning. Uh, today's message is not necessarily gonna be a Father's Day message just at you dads. Because uh, if that were the case, we would miss out on a huge part of North Point Church. And so this morning, what we wanna talk to you guys about is what does it look like to live a life surrendered? How do we live lives surrenders? As followers of Jesus, what does it look like to surrender our lives, our rights, our wills, our desires to the Lord and to live in accordance with what he has called us to? And in Romans chapter six, verse 13, it says this. It says, give yourselves completely to God. You can underline circle with the word completely. And then it goes on and it says, every part of you. Underline every part. Give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you have been brought back to life and you wanna to be tools in the hands of God used for his good purposes. So this morning as we talk about what does it look like to live lives surrendered to the Lord, I wanna make sure that we understand what that word surrender means. If we were to simply look at the definition, I love definitions, they help me to really understand things. Um, I think that's why dictionaries are such a big thing. Um, but the definition of surrender is this, to yield to the power, control, or possession of another upon compulsion or demand. 
It's to yield to the power, control, or possession of another. Now, the interesting thing about surrender is this, that when you surrender, it's only surrender if you really surrender everything. It's a complete release of our rights and of our preferences. And when you surrender to somebody, you now are under their control in every way, shape, and form. See, 40% surrender is not actually surrender, is it? And 85% surrender wouldn't actually be surrender either. Surrender is only really surrender if we choose to give up in every area. Think about a prisoner of war. When, you know, if they were to be captured by the enemy, they don't then get to tell their captors how they wanna be treated, what they wanna do, what they wanna eat for dinner. Like, it doesn't work like that. But the interesting thing is that I think that many Christians today operate in our relationships with Jesus just like that. We say we surrender to the Lord. We say that we give up our rights and we wanna do what the Lord has called us to do, but only part way. And I think many people operate with, a, with an incomplete understanding of what real surrender is. We think that we can give up a portion of our life, but not the whole thing. Allowing God to transform how we speak, but not allowing him to change how we spend our money. Surrendering our families to the Lord, but not actually raising them in the way that God has called us to. And the list could go on. I think many people operate with a partial understanding of what real surrender is. And I love that the, the, the translation of the verse that we just read says, give yourself completely to God. It says every part. The word complete leaves out nothing. It's complete, it's all encompassing, it takes over everything. And the reason that we can completely surrender to God, just like it says in the verse, is because he has brought us back to life. In just a second, we're gonna jump in, my dad's gonna give uh, the first couple points, but there's one more verse that I wanna go through, just a tad further into the book of Romans, in chapter 12, and it says this in the message translation. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you could do for him. And then it goes on and it says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you, I love this. And quickly respond to it. How often do we try to wrestle with God? We recognize what he wants from us and then we try to convince him why that's not actually the best thing for us. It says readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and he develops well-formed maturity within you. And as we dive into what it looks like to live a life surrendered, I think that this verse lays out an incredible foundation for us to build off of this morning. It says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. And I think that the, the wording God helping you is key because in order to surrender the way that we've been called to, we need God's help. It's not really, I don't know what that is. Anyways, I don't, it's not like, you know, it, it's not something that we can do on our own. It's, it's God helping us. And then it says this, take your everyday ordinary life. So if you're starting to wonder, man, what does real surrender look like? What does it encompass? What's involved in that? It's your everyday ordinary life, the small things. Oftentimes we try to surrender to God in the big decisions, right? Just the big things, the things that we don't seem to be able to control on our own, but this says your everyday ordinary life. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're going to work, you're raising your kids life. It says place it before the Lord as an offering. Friends, and if we wanna live our lives and surrender to the Lord, then one of the best ways that we can do it 
is in community. So dad, why don't you take point one? Oh, well, thanks, yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> Not bad, huh, all right? Yeah, I could, uh, I, could, uh, I could walk off stage and you guys would be happier, so. Uh, hey, write this down. These are the things. If you want to live this surrendered life, you've got to, first of all, we've got to worship with others. And, uh, and that's not just a Sunday morning thing, but it is a Sunday morning thing, right? Uh, it's it's an everyday, ordinary life thing right? It's the big idea that if people know about your political party stance, then they do your faith, then you have a struggle going on in your life. You don't get the fact that, that your life is to glorify God. Everything about you, right, is to point to Jesus. And that only comes from living a life of worship, one that loves Jesus. Now, this isn't the life of perfection because we don't we, we, we can't do that. You get that, you know, uh, kind of thing, right? And if anybody thinks they can, you've got somebody sitting next to you right now that'll let you know that you're not perfect either, right? But, but the big thing is, is understanding that, that your life, as, as Josh read in that Romans, Romans 12 passage, right? Uh, you know, God helping you, your everyday, ordinary life, right? It's not just the special times, it's not just those special moments where we, where we seem to have a connection with God. It's your everyday, ordinary life, and you're, that's your worship. You're placing that before God as an offering. My question to you is, what does your offering look like? Right? The, the, the Bible tells us in Psalm 100, verse 2, it says this. It says, worship the Lord with gladness. All right, Circle that word gladness, underline it, star it, whatever you do right? Why? Because there's something about gladness that is missing from our culture today. We live in such despair. People around us, our neighbors, you, you know, grocery store, wherever it is you go, you know, hey, how's your day? Oh, I just started my, you know, I was at Target the other day, you know, oh, I just started my shift. Oh, well, that's good. Praise God, you're going to make some money today, right? Like, right? Like, sorry, man. Like, you know, <laughs> Good grief, you know? And, and so, so I love it. Like, worship the Lord with gladness in your everyday, ordinary life, right? Isn't that beautiful, right? And then it says, come before him singing with joy. And joy is this word, man. Like, I love the word joy because often we misrepresent Jesus. Because the life-changing power of Christ in our lives brings joy. It's deeper than happiness. It's better than a chick flick, right? It's literally something that is sustainable, right? It's something that brings not just a smile to our face, but it brings complete joy to our lives. And that is what people see in you or don't see in you. But when they see it in you, that's when they say there's something different about you. It's joy. It's not just that you're crazy. It's not that you're ADD and hyper like me all the time, you know. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? You know, no, 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 no. The, the joy of the Lord, the scripture says what? Is our strength. This is huge. This is, this is critical for our lives. And can I just kind of side note, because we said it wasn't just for dads, but can I say something to you dads? Listen, you have got to teach your kids how to worship. Amen. You've got to teach your kids how to worship. And you're like, you know, I'm a failure at this point. That's great to admit that, 
right? So let's start. Everybody needs a starting place. I don't care what the past has been. Start, right? And, and, and listen, then it's like, well, you know, there's been too many years of me not, and they don't, they don't respect me anymore. Start. Quit making excuses for making poor choices and change. That is allowing the, the joy of the Lord in our lives. It says in, in Isaiah uh, 40, verse 31, I love this because dads are like, oh, I'm tired, you know, it's the weekend, I just, I just wanna rest, I, you know, I deserve it. Let me tell you, the scriptures tell us what? Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. It doesn't say those who lay back in their lazy boy will renew their strength, <laughs> right? It, it doesn't say those who are lazy will get unlazy, you know, kind of thing by being lazy, no, 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 it says, it says what? Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They're the ones that are gonna mount up on wings like eagles. They're, they're gonna run and not be weary and they're gonna walk and not faint. And that's the grind of life. Don't you see it all in there? There's times where we're just flying. I just got back from houseboats Thursday night, eight o'clock at night with our high school group. Awesome time, great decisions for Jesus, incredible stuff up at Lake Shasta. Uh, it was awesome. Got home th Thursday night, we message prep Friday morning. We're running around getting food and everything for men's barbecue on Friday night and the food for today. And, and you know, I mean, just go, go, go. It's just, it's, a, it's been a whirlwind. And I don't say that as like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, so wonderful. No, 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 listen. If I'd have planned better, it wouldn't have been such a whirlwind. <laughs> you know, right? If I hadn't been lazy in the weeks prior, it wouldn't have been such a whirlwind. You get it? Like, this is the key. It's not just that we're doing good things for Jesus. He doesn't need us to do good things for him. He needs us to live surrendered. Amen. And that is how we give ourselves in our everyday worship to him. The second thing you gotta connect with in this, or you gotta know in this, is you gotta get connected with others. If you're gonna live a surrendered life, you've gotta be connected with others. It's, it's literally, uh, you know, uh, uh, the idea that we belong to each other. It's the idea that there's nothing greater that you can do than connect with other believers because iron sharpens iron, okay? Wood and wood starts fires, right? Iron, uh, iron and iron you know, sharpen one another, right? And, 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 and so, and the other thing that wood and wood does, it, it gives splinters, all right? And so anyway, but listen, the, the whole idea of connecting with one another, let me, let me just tell you this, a good, a good friend of mine, a, a member here at North Point, uh, passed away this morning at 4 a.m. The battled, uh, battled cancer and, and uh, just, but, but one in the end, because though death wears your sting, okay? But, but last Friday, a week ago Friday, I got to sit with him and just talk about meeting Jesus. He said, man, the battle's been tough, and I'm ready to meet Jesus. And I said, are you, are you good with it? And he said, I am. And as he and his wife were talking, here's what they said, in the last two years, they joined a small group. He said it was the best thing they'd done in their entire marriage. Only regret that they didn't join sooner. Can I tell you how critical it is to be connected to others? It's the way God created us. It says this in Romans chapter 12, verse four. And we're like this various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from Christ's body as a whole, not the other way around. 
But listen, each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But it says this, but as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, wouldn't, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? What's he saying? Paul is getting the point across that says, look, if you're not connected to the body of Christ, and that's one another, then you're just like a chopped off toe, man. <laughs> Ooh, that's gross. Oh, what are we gonna do now? It's worthless. Ephesians 2 says this. This is what I love. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. And it says this, the cross got us to embrace. Can I tell you the problem in our culture today, why we're so fragmented? We've forgotten the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Can I tell you the lesson we can learn right here? So for all of us, dads and everybody else included, can I tell you, your life's gotta reflect the work of the cross. It doesn't have to reflect you. It needs to reflect the work of the cross because that's so, so critical. Yeah, and as we seek to live lives surrendered and we fight and, and strive on to look and live more like Jesus, one of the most incredible things about doing it in community with one another, you can write this down, this is your third feeling, is that we get to learn from others. We get to learn from others. Ephesians chapter four, verse 16, it says this, Christ's body is fitted together perfectly, period. And as each part does its own work, it helps the other parts grow. As we talk about being in community with one another, one of the most awesome, most incredible things is that we get to spur one another on in godliness. We get to encourage one another. Just like a chopped off toe is of no use to itself or to the body, neither is a believer who's been cut off from the rest of the body of Christ. So we get to do life together and we get to learn from one another. And friends, I believe that this is God's design for community. You know, all throughout scripture, we read of these intentional relationships that were built uh, with, the, with the expectation of getting to teach and to mentor and to disciple. We read of these relationships through the Old Testament and the New Testament, Moses and Joshua, Eli and Samuel, Barnabas and Paul, Paul and Titus, Jesus and his 12 disciples. And though there's countless scriptures that communicate this to us, the importance of having mentors and people to pour into us and develop us, I think this is something that many believers miss out on in life. This is one of the, the unique ways that God created the church to operate, where people can be poured into and loved on and walked alongside and guided in life, but many of us are missing out on this incredible gift from God. Can I encourage you this morning that if you don't have a mentor, or somebody to pour into you, or somebody to disciple you, make that a priority today. There's incredible people at this church, men and women who would love to pour into you to spend time with you. There's incredible men and women uh, just in our community who would love to do those things. And in my life, mentors and father figures and people who have poured into me have been absolutely instrumental in my walk with Jesus. And the reason why is because they cared enough to spend time with me. They cared enough to take a young spaz of a kid under their wing and call me on my stuff when my life didn't line up with how Jesus had called me to live, 
to encourage me to love and to live more like Jesus. I mean, they cared and, 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 and they spent time. They were intentional to do those things. And friends, those relationships are things that every single one of us believers needs in our life. It doesn't matter if you're in junior high or in high school. It doesn't matter if you're married or if you're headed into retirement. At any stage in life, we need people to learn from. We need mentors and examples in the faith, in life, people who can encourage us in our walks with Christ because that is the way that God intended for it to be. I wanna finish this point, but I gotta give you your next fill in. The fourth thing you can write down uh, is we need to serve with others. One of the best ways we can live surrendered lives is to serve with others. First Peter chapter four, verse 10, it says this. Each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Underline that, to use to serve others. That's the key here in this verse. Each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. And then it says, be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. See, here's the thing, church. We all have gifts. Whether you know it or not, we have all been intentionally, specifically given gifts by God. Some of us use them. Some of us don't. There's lots of different reasons that you may not be using your gift. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's laziness like we talked about earlier. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe it's because the only person that you know how to think about is yourself. So the thought of serving other people is foreign to you. Can I encourage you this morning? Encourage you this morning. I mean, Christ has given you a gift. And the only reason that you have that gift is to use it to serve others. If Christ has given you a gift and the only person that you use it for is to edify yourself, can I tell you, you're misguided. And your life is focused on the wrong thing. But Christ has given us gifts and abilities so that we can use them to edify other believers, to show Christ's love through our lives. So as we talk about how we can learn and we can serve alongside with others, I wanna challenge you guys today. There are people in here today who have been given the gift of mentorship, who've been given the gift of discipleship, of relationship, of teaching. You've chosen to not use it. And maybe you felt an urge to step up and, and to step out and serve in that capacity, but every time you feel the urge, you fight it and you shy away. Can I tell you that as, as important as it is to be mentored and to be poured into, young believers and people in every walk of life need those people. And friends, if you are choosing to not use your gift to raise up the next generation, to pour into people, to encourage people in their faith, who's gonna do it? We can sit and we can complain about the trajectory of our nation or of our world, or of how Gen Z is ruining things and can't get off their phones. But if we simply sit idle and don't do anything about it, if we don't actually get up and go engage the next generation, if we don't use the gifts that we've been given to serve, then our complaints fall on deaf ears. Why complain if you're not actually willing to do something about it? In my life, I've had some incredible mentors. I have an incredible dad who I've been able to look up to and to aspire to be like, but bigger than that, I've had more people who have intentionally poured into my life and I've been, it's been a blessing. Some people, uh, Pastor Kyle was my small group leader from seventh grade until I graduated high school. Um, Ronnie McDougall is my uncle, a father figure to me. Eddie Crane was a father figure to me. Rick and Maria Payne, um, Rick has since gotten to be with the Lord, but they picked me and my friends up every single Sunday morning to set up this sanctuary, to set up the chairs and the Bibles and the pens that you guys have with you. 
every single Sunday morning, probably from when we were in third grade, right, Caden? Probably third grade, I don't even, until high school, every Sunday morning, he would pick us up. Rick Payne was in his, I don't even know how old he was, in his 50s or 60s. Do you think he really wanted to spend time with third graders on Sunday morning? Or you think Kyle looked forward to sitting in a small group with 12 middle school guys every Tuesday night? I'm sure that it was tough sometimes, but they faithfully used the gifts that they were given to pour into the next generation, to raise us up. And part of the reason that I'm able to sit here today is one, because the Lord has called me to this, but two, is because of the godly men and women who poured into me. And friends, we need more godly men and women to stand up and to stand in the gap for the young people in our church, in our nation, and in our community. See, here's the point. Christ has set an example for us of what it looks like to serve in every area of his life. The God of the universe came down to earth and took on the form of a servant, washed the feet of his disciples, spent time with the outcasts and the people that nobody wanted to spend time with, like the middle schoolers of today. You know what I'm saying? And as a youth pastor, I feel like I have to say this because this is my world, but we do need godly men and women to pour into our students. I serve across town, but here you guys have an incredible youth ministry ran by Emma Seha and Colin Crane, some of my dearest friends, incredible leaders. If you have students and they're not involved in those ministries, make sure they're there on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. They need to be there under their leadership. But can I tell you that Colin's one of my best friends. Colin needs more volunteers. Colin needs more volunteers. Colin is the pastor of the high school ministry here, but Colin cannot pastor every single student there. We need godly men and women to step in, to mentor, to walk alongside and to guide people in our church. Maybe you haven't been gifted, uh, given the gift of teaching or discipleship or mentorship. Maybe you've been given a different gift, a behind the scenes gift, there's incredible ministries here. You can serve on the coffee team, the tech team. You can be a greeter and smile and say good morning to people. But friends, one of the best ways that we can live lives surrendered is to put ourselves to the side and to say, God, you've given me this life. Who am I to, to not use it to serve others and to love people? Let me read to you guys Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine, and nine through 12. It says this. Two people are always better than one because they get more done by working together. If one falls down, the other can help him up. But it is bad for a person who is alone and falls because nobody is there to help him. If two lie down together, they can share the same blanket and stay warm, but a person alone can't be warm. An enemy might defeat one person, but two people together can defend themselves. And a rope that is woven of three braids is hard to break. Let me just give you guys these three fill-ins right here. When we work together, there's three things that happen. Number one is we maximize our impact. When we work together, when we serve together, we maximize our impact. Friends, being in community is one of the most important things for us as believers. There's a reason that Jesus said that on this rock he would build the church and it would be the church that would stand up against the gates of hell. Not you as an individual, not you by yourself, but it's the church, it's the community, the body of believers together. The second thing is when we're together, we minimize our failures. This has to do with mentorship and accountability, doing life together, being transparent. Men, can I speak to you for a second? This is hard, isn't it? This is hard for guys to be honest and vulnerable about where we're at. 
There's an incredible men's ministry here at North Point with groups and, and Bible studies for all kinds of different struggles, for all kinds of different topics. Man, if you are struggling with something, man, put your, side, your pride to the side and get involved in the community of the church here at North Point. And the third thing is this, when we're together, we mobilize our resources. And, and in that, guys, we understand that, that uh, the, you know, mobilizing our resources is this big idea of, of you can't do it alone. It's, it, resources, yeah, it can be money, it can be time, it can be all these things, but great ministries happen because people partner together and serve together. Right? They're doing it together, they're a team, right? Together, everybody accomplishes more. That's, that's what we say, and so that, that's what's so, so critical uh, in, in, in everything that we're, we're talking about today. The last thing you can write down in your outline is to join with others on mission. And, and why? We're talking to everybody in this room. We're talking to dads. Listen, the greatest thing you can do is to, 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 to have a clear-cut mission as a family, as a leader. Do you know this? Dads, let me just say this. Uh, a dad who brings his kids to church, even if mom is not involved, they say two-thirds of those children will be worshipers when they're adults. If a mom brings kids to church with no dad, only a third of those will be worshipers when they grow up. Can I tell you what that number together is? It's pretty powerful. So can I, can I say this? Like, guys, it is so critical for you to play the God-given role the choice to not play that godly role as, as, a, as a father, as a mentor to others, doesn't just affect you. It affects generations. And the greatest generational sin that we can deal with today is complacency. Because dads are busy and they're... they're they're, they're making the money for the family and they're doing all these things and God bless you, we love it. It's, it's so critical. I mean, it's obviously necessary, but can I tell you what's more necessary? Is living a life of faith and knowing that your life is on mission. Matthew 28, you know, we, we, we push this off on pastors, but, but here's what it says. Go and make disciples of all nations. And, and, and actually in the Greek, it, it says this, as you are going, I, I kind of pick up on that, just like in the message paraphrase of Romans 12, you know, your everyday ordinary life. As you're going about your everyday ordinary life, it says what? Make disciples of all nations. <laughs> Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to, uh, to do everything I've commanded you and surely I'm gonna be with you. Of course I'm gonna be with you, he says. Of course. What were you thinking? You're not alone, right? Second Corinthians 8 says this. I love this. They gave beyond their ability. I'm so, so weary of people saying, I just don't have, I don't have the ability to do that. Hmm. Well, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> the scriptures tell us they gave beyond their ability, far more than they could afford. What explains it was that they had first given themselves, listen to this, unreservedly to God. No reservation. They completely gave themselves to God. That's the key. 
right? What explains it was they had first given themselves unreservedly to God. Listen to this. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about today, man. These purposes are critical for your life. So for all of us, man, can we step up and can we be who God created us to be? To live the life that God said, hey, I'm gonna make you and this is what it's gonna be about. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. We get that. I tried to talk this guy out of it. Did everything I could do with a moment of being proud and at the same time going, oh my gosh, does he know what he's getting himself into? But I'm no more proud of him than I am my other three children that are still trying to figure out life and what they're gonna do as they're younger. There's not a more proud and a less proud. There's a legacy of faith we have to leave. We have to live so that we can leave. We can't be complacent. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Step up and live a surrendered life to Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you today for loving us, for giving us a hope and a future, for helping us recognize, God, that you're not done with us. You've just begun. And thank you, God, for those of us who maybe have screwed up and we haven't done things well. Today's a new day. Your mercies are fresh and new every morning. So yesterday sucked, God, but today is a new day. Help us to be who you've created us to be in everything. God, may we as dads stand up, not just for our own children, but for others. Stand in the gap. We can't expect others, God, to do it. We've got to be the ones, your church, so help us to care in bigger and greater ways. In Jesus' name, amen.